Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of All About Sports, the podcast. This one's for you NBA fans out there. It's been a while since we've done an NBA episode. We did one at the start of the season and now given a lot of the season's already gone by, we figured you know it's a good time to get back and do another NBA episode. A lot's happened this season already and of course we know some of the big moves that have created some real giants in the game, talking about the Brooklyn Nets obviously. So we figured it's a good time to get together and talk about something that we've kind of been talking about especially with Brooklyn forming which is who are the best trios that we've watched so kind of since the 2000s what are the biggest baddest trios in the NBA Maz I'm going to get right into it we're going to go you know kind of chronologically go through each of the teams so Maz I'm going to go right into it I think the first big trio I think of the 2000s the Spurs Greg Popovich you have Tim Duncan Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker Mas, how did you enjoy? Because they went up against your Lakers a lot in the Western Conference. It was a heated battle, even though they they're generally quite calm people. It has always been a, a, a quite an intense rivalry, you know, through the two thousands between the Lakers, at least from two thousand to two thousand ten. So, what are your thoughts on the uh, the big three at the Spurs? So, Krishna, firstly, of course, being a Lakers fan, the Spurs become major rivals. especially on the western conference we know how many battles they had tim duncan versus uh, kobe was always talked about not literally position wise but in general obviously tim duncan picked up with the spurs again a one team player which is something that we love and i still really crave to see and i'm glad that there are a few names who are still extremely loyal and are sticking to being loyal to their teams but coming back to the main point what you said even though they were rivals how could you not like the spurs they were great to watch they always have been a perfect system under greg popovich i mean kobe bryant himself loved greg popovich and he was the rival coach and they always wanted pop to coach the usa basketball team sadly never happened but the point is that if that you have such a fierce competitor in pop himself i wouldn't say in fact the spurs were a big 3 they were a big 4 because yep. popovich literally made that team and let's not forget all of the spurs players were drafted by the spurs what i mean by that is manu ginobili was drafted 57th when he was drafted so basically just i think he's probably the lowest draft pick number ever to be so successful if you look at it 57th is literally fourth last in the nba draft <laughs> so and and well four championships the the, the spurs big three have four championships together they won 576 regular season games together sorry 575 uh, i i I, I it's up some I think it was 575 or 576 but something around that because I remember reading it up and they won 126 post season games together there are play there are teams that haven't made one so many post season games and it's just these three as a trio that had won so many tony parker was drafted in 27th or something like that as well by the spurs it's crazy so they didn't form a super a big 3 or a super team they were literally grown into that and molded into that entire spurs system and setup so 
major major credit to greg popovich and well whatever you say in basketball they always say championships matter mj always says that and four championships is no joke and they played over what was it 14 seasons together yeah so that is pretty amazing you're winning almost a title every 3 seasons in a very very challenging uh, nba so credit and, where is due and talk about essentially never missing the playoffs since they drafted tim well since they had a, they had like you know a terrible time before they drafted tim duncan which is why they got tim duncan they had an unbelievable playoff streak as well obviously it got broken more recently after they lost kawhi leonard but like you said mas what makes this team so special is they didn't create the team from trades they found these guys manu ginobili was doing really well in europe but no one really knew you know he was kind of an unknown factor and we we what we we talk so much about we talk so much about pop because he's such a revered coach in the nba but let's also give him credit for he found a way to make these guys mesh we we we've seen the stories that um tim duncan and tony parker talk about when ginobili initially came in how he couldn't stand ginobili because ginobili just wasn't the classic pop style of player who's you know completely rational thinking making the right you know you know not flashy plays just making the right pass ginobili was more flashy he was a guy who would take the tough shot he was the guy who would shoot a three from like deeper than typically with time on the shot clock not at all greg popovich's kind of player but he found a way to bring them together and like you said mas the second big thing that makes this team successful is success over time right they win in 2003 they win in 2005 they win in 2007 a lot of people are then writing them off for a while saying they're good they'll keep making the playoffs but frankly they're getting too old to win another championship and then the way they come back in 2014 to win again just proved what a resilient side they were not let's not forget kawhi leonard did come into that side as well that made a huge difference but being able to be successful and win their first championship not as a trio but as a team in 1999 and the last championship in 2014 is is really unheard of in the nba right basically in the nba we've learned that it works in phases right like the the lakers were dominant from 2000 to i would say 2010 um i would say 2011 to 2020 was basically lebron um 1990s was was chicago so few teams have been able to maintain their dominance across decades and that's really what makes the spurs so unbelievably impressive and let's just be honest man greg popovich gives the best interviews hands down there is no coach who gives better interviews in the nba so just an incredible side may not be the most flashy but you can't take away the success from them krishna one more thing you mentioned and i like that you mentioned that was how they thought manu wouldn't fit into the system and they didn't like him right. in fact tim duncan even complained about uh tony parker he apparently told pop that uh we'll never win a championship with tony parker playing point guard and well the way the cookie crumbles it's crazy so i don't know like we all know tim, uh, tony parker was a great player perfect yep. team point guard yep but definitely not at the skill level of a chris paul or any of these let's i'm not even going to the athletic types of point guards but i'm saying in terms of like these proper uh, team leaders he was never that but there yep. was just something about him there was just something about him that worked and he also brought success to france so 
there's definitely talent there that tony parker had like um in, insane amounts of talent that so, so many times got disregarded just because of probably the class of tim duncan so just wanted to highlight that as well that they've overcome adversity amongst them and created this unmatchable force in the nba for almost two decades it's it's very very impressive hey are you like us and trying to make your own podcast but aren't really sure where to get started well when we first began we didn't really know how to get our podcast out there to the hundreds of different podcast platforms that's where anchor comes in anchor is your one stop shop for all things podcasting from start to finish it allows you to record and edit your podcast and then when you're ready to publish distributes it to a ton of podcasting platforms including spotify and apple podcasts once you've posted your episode anchor tracks listening across platforms and graphs your performance across countries age groups and platforms that's how we know that 4% of our listeners are in hong kong if you're listening from hong kong right now well thank you and anchor is totally free to get started download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm that's a n c h o r.fm to get started now back to the pod absolutely mas absolutely yeah Tim, tony parker is not even in my top maybe 10 point guards since the 2000s he, he might not it been maybe touch and go for like 8 to 10 but he's somewhere in that area so it, it it really is a good point how they brought together guys who maybe aren't like the most supreme tim duncan is the other two less so and, and made this dominant side completely agree with you mas i'm going to keep going um keep going with another team that but it heads with the lakers a little bit not in the west in the east this time the green team the bean town boys as the no dunks team on calls it <laughs> but uh, the boston celtics um the boston celtics had drafted rajon rondo and paul pierce but they were a good team not a great team that's when they bring in kevin garnett and they bring in ray allen from seattle uh and and garnett from uh minnesota and they became an absolute dominant force in the east and a force to contend with for the lakers in the championships as well mas lakers celtics is just a classic rivalry we love it whenever it happens it's always heated it's always fiery and then you throw garnett into it it becomes even more crazy man how did you enjoy watching these sides and them just butting heads in those two finals who both went to game 7 if i'm not mistaken i think no it was the- game 6 of no it was five games in fact oh in 2010 games yeah yeah it was five or six when paul pierce won mvp i think it was five or six it definitely wasn't seven uh got gotcha. pretty much outclassed the lakers Oh, it was uh, six. That, it was six. I just yeah, confirmed. So it was six in two thousand and eight. It was six in two thousand and eight, and then two thousand seven in two thousand and ten. The two thousand ten match, I remember that properly. I woke up early in the morning for some reason. We didn't have school. Uh, I think it must have. I don't know why, but we didn't have school that day, and I was so pumped. It must have been summer vacations. Uh, but I remember watching that game. and those were the golden days even as a fan to watch for for a laker fan to watch 
the Pau Gasol, Kobe Bryant, Lamar Odom. Uh, that was the Lakers' own uh, triangle system with the fish making big shots on and off. Ron Artest, my God, what a find he was. What a player he became for the Lakers at that point in time. Anyway, sorry, I'll get back to Boston. Boston, when they formed that team, the Boston three, uh, the three party, the Boston three party that they were called, uh, <laughs> a completely different story as compared to the Spurs. You're talking about the franchise all-time leading scorers joining hands, right? You're talking about Kevin Garnett, who was Minnesota's, who still is Minnesota's all-time leading scorer. MVP, had won an MVP. MVP. Exactly, but just had no one else to support him. You're talking about Ray Allen, who was never really recognized, sadly, as an outstanding player, even though he's also Seattle's all-time leading scorer. Then deciding to... Yeah, then deciding to join hands with Paul Pierce down in uh, at TD Garden. Well, uh, what can you say if you have three franchise scorers in the team? You'd imagine that there'll be some problems in terms of the way they'll gel. There'll be some chemistry issues. They hit it off right away. They won 66 games in their first season. Uh, they ended up with the best record in the East. Uh, I think, uh, uh, I'm not even sure if it was the, it must have been the best record in the entire NBA at the point. But they made it to the finals and so instant success. Uh, I think that speaks volumes. And this was literally the first time we heard of people deciding before, players deciding before that they'll join hands and uh create their own team, right? So, uh, I remember everyone giving them a lot of flack and rightfully so, I I still am pretty much against this entire thing of players being able to decide where they want to go beforehand, like having these talks and all of that. Uh, Officially, I I don't know, it's just an, an odd system, but well, credit where it's due, they won it. They, They pretty much outclassed the Lakers in 2008, uh, even though the Lakers probably threw two games in that series, amazing, amazing team. They and the success continued. Krishnan, I, I, I want you to talk about Boston more because I'm, I've always, I'll be very honest, I don't track the East as much. I never have because I've always been pro West, and you can't blame me. All the fun and the Let's say all the competition was in the West for the longest time. So, no, I, I'm happy to take this one because I I love KG. I love KG as a player. I mean, I, I I'll be honest. I, I didn't watch the NBA as closely as you did back then, but I've caught up a lot on on it in in more recent years. And watching KG both in his Minnesota days and his Boston days, I really like him. And I think what makes KG so special is. When we talk about these trios, a common theme that we'll find is at least one player has to make a sacrifice. You have to, because at the end of the day, if you have three big guys coming together, someone has to take a sacrifice either in number of possessions they get or the scoring. It has to take a hit. KG, when he came to Celtics, said, hey, we have Ray Allen and we have Paul Pierce. Those dudes can score. I might be an MVP. I don't need to score 20 points a game. You guys do what you have to on the offensive end. I will hold it down on the defensive end. And that's, for me, what makes this Boston team so special. 
he could have been someone who came in with a big ego because he was by far the best player on that team. There's no question about it. I'm not hearing anyone saying Paul Pierce was really talented. No, it was KG was the best player on that team. And he decided to sacrifice points, which is the most valued asset in the game to say, I don't need it. I will help the team. If you need me to score, I'll come up big. But if you guys got this, I'll focus on the defensive end and hold that down. And that's what made it so fun. And like you said, Maz, so different from the Spurs. Because Spurs, quiet dudes, don't really talk a whole lot. Boston was completely the other end of the spectrum. KG is going at you. Paul Pierce is talking crap. Rondo is being annoying. He may not talk a lot, but he's just annoying and irritating and coming in between and poking fingers. He's annoying person. So they were heated and they liked it. They liked people. They hate them. They liked to bring the intensity on themselves. And like you said, Mas, they were they were really dominant in the East. I think they got they got affected a little bit by injuries, like every team does. Um, which is why they weren't able, you know, we thought, like, you would think they would be just like the Warriors, right? Back-to-back-to-back finals. Injuries hurt them a little bit, right? The KG's second- injury. It was KG that was out for that entire second season. Uh, yes. He missed a lot of the second season. He missed the entire playoffs. They lost to Orlando, which just made it, made it like the Lakers made hay while the sun shines. It was like that. So... You're so right. Absolutely. That's that's exactly what I was trying to hit on, Maz. And you, I was trying to remember actually when he was out. So thank you for, for butting it with when he was out. So they were a team that really we were expecting to be back-to-back finalists, right? And it just was injuries that kind of broke them. And eventually, they kind of just tied in to uh, the other Eastern Conference team that we'll get into that became dominant. And they weren't able to get to that stage of being back-to-back finalists. But I'm so happy that at least Kevin Garnett got one championship. You know, we talk about so many great guys who potentially end their career and how one championship changes their legacy. That's Kevin Garnett. And that's the same for, I would say, Paul Pierce. It's the same thing for Rajon Rondo, maybe less so for Ray Allen because he, he went on to win um, later as well. But like you said, Maz, what made what made them so special is they were heated they were the one of the first few teams to form by like that kind of alliance of hey I'll join you we'll get together we'll make this thing work. No, so Krishna, one more thing, you know, I think that Boston Celtics team wouldn't have broken up if it wasn't for the entire fiasco between Rondo and Ray Allen, which yeah. led to Allen then leaving and moving to Miami. So I think Rajon Rondo has a lot to be blamed. Uh, has to take a lot of blame for breaking this big three because I don't think they yep. would have broken up otherwise because they looked determined and I'm sure they would have been the team that would have wanted to stop the Lakers three-peat. Yep. Uh, so the, yep. the Lakers didn't get the three-peat. That's a different issue. Yep. But the point is they would have been the guys who would have wanted to say that, hey, you know what? We're still the alphas here. Yep. So uh, pity that it happened and the way it happened. But well... For a neutral, it was fun while it lasted. Yep. And I think, Buzz, uh, one quick last point I want to make on them is, like you said with Spurs, right? There's always a secret fourth person that is a key role, and that's the coach. This is where Doc Rivers kind of established himself, uh, re-established himself. He had a good, he had a good, he, he did really well with Orlando before moving to Celtics. But this is what kind of cements his legacy, right? It is his, it's those years at, at Boston. Um, LA, you know, he had he moved to Clippers after, and that was great as well, but Boston is what he's, I'd say, most famous for. Um, yeah, yeah, Krishnan, you're right. I think Doc, I see, I still don't, I'm not a big fan of Doc Rivers. Uh, you know it. I've been very vocal about it as well. 
Yep. But well, at the end of the day, he did make the most of it. Won that championship with let massive, massive egos on that side. So, uh, yeah, I think he's doesn't matter what happens after this. He won a championship against the Lakers for Boston. I think he, he he's already put his name up there. So, shout out to Doc Rivers. <laughs> Absolutely, and Maz, you. I want to transition into the next team because it's a team that you talked about um, a little bit. We got into a little bit, and kind of the sort of the reason why the Boston Celtics broke up and weren't as dominant as they might have been in the East, the Miami Heat. And I, I this is the team I can probably relate the most to because this is when I started to get into the NBA and started to. And you couldn't really, if you followed sports, you knew the Heat around the Miami Heat trio forming. Dwayne Wade was at Miami already. LeBron James decides to take his talents down to South Beach. And then Chris Bosh coming from Toronto. And oh my God, if we thought Boston was hated, Miami was hated 10 times that. Because people hated what LeBron did. They didn't like the fact this was not a thing that they'd seen in the NBA when he made a whole documentary series about how he's going to announce where he goes. And they bought into it because they did this whole performance about we're going back to back to back to back. Maz, what do you think about the Miami Heat? They were fiery and it's in Miami. It's a, it's a place that they, they, they live in the Heat quite literally. They named the Heat. They got the Heat. Did they perform though? <laughs> <laughs> so, Krishna, I love how you quoted LeBron there. You said that he brought his talents to South Beach. Because yep. he tweeted that, didn't he? Yeah, he said, he said it, he said it in his documentary. To, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did. So, I mean... Well, let's face it. They always were dreaming about playing together. I'm not going to deny that. You, No one can deny that. They didn't even hide it. It wasn't a secret. It happened, so people hated it. And of course, you have a right to hate it because it, <laughs> we're going to be discussing... I mean, it's pretty much like the European Super League. <laughs> right? It's the same concept. The only difference is that franchises do exist in basketball. They do exist in American sport. So why are you hating? Yep, it's yep. going to happen. It's going to happen. Your pool of players is much smaller. Your fan base in terms of loyalty is much smaller. You're not really supporting teams' basis, your location a lot of times in the US, even though there are many people who live in, like so many people in New York don't support the Knicks necessarily. A lot of them, I'm not even saying they support the Brooklyn Nets. They might support LA or something like that. They, the only reason they are in New York is work. So it, it's, I think there are so many other things that are there. So I didn't understand why they got so much hate for it. Because I think after, I think it also happened so because of the Celtic success that they thought that even Miami will be an immediate success. But truth be told, we all know this. It always takes teams time to gel. And we saw that, okay, fine. Miami came out of the blocks flying high. They were, uh, they were, so, I mean, they did well in the regular season, struggled in the playoffs. Yeah. Struggled in the playoffs. And actually, it was even when they started, when they the, the, the first season, they, they were not doing so well. The first few games, they weren't doing so well to the point where, I, I if I'm not wrong, LeBron, um, I think LeBron, Bosch, and, and Wade actually went to Pat Riley, who was the GM at the time, and said, 
dude, can you come back and coach us? Like, I don't think Eric Spolstra is working. And Riley put his foot down and said, no, 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 we're, we're, we're sticking with Spolstra. So you're right. It takes time. Even the regular season didn't mesh right off the bat. And then the playoffs as well. Yeah, so that just tells you a lot. And we're talking about LeBron James here. And we're talking about Dwayne Wade, who already had won a couple of championships. So Miami had the championship with, I mean, he won it with Shaq. Was it a couple? Was it one? He won one, 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 2006. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. He won one. But yeah, coming back to that. So he already had a championship with Shaq. So he wasn't that desperate and he he was it didn't matter to his ego anymore because he already had a championship now it was just like i want more rings and no who who better to get than lebron james onto your team records show differently but that's a different thing altogether <laughs> but chris bosh i yeah he was the difference maker at the end of the day coming back to your main question did they live up to the hype obviously not Obviously not. Agreed. So, Krishnan, your opinion for this one, man. No, Maz, I actually agree with you on that. I agree with the not living up to the hype. Because, I mean, let, let me defend them first, right? Making four championships in four years is not an easy task. That's phenomenal. Every year that LeBron played for them, they reach, they reach the finals. That's really, really impressive. But the reason they didn't live up to the hype for me is, to me, they were a lot closer to just winning one championship than they were to winning all four. And I think a big reason, a little bit of that was, I think that arrogance really got to them. When they played Dallas, was the first one was, was, was versus Dallas. I think everyone's money was on Miami and should have been on Miami, right? They were definitely favorites. I don't think Dallas even finished top three in their conference that year. I'm just saying. They, they, they were third in the West that year. Miami were definitely the better team. They were favorites, but they came in arrogant. And we, we know that, you know, the infamous LeBron and Dwayne. <laughs> exactly. Coughing, kind of mocking Dirk for missing a game. And they lost because at the end of the day, their arrogance got to their head. And I genuinely think the same thing happened in 2013 when they played the Spurs and almost lost. Ray Allen, who we talked about so much for Boston, moves to Miami, hits that absolute clutch three to keep them in. But they came pretty darn close to losing even in 2013. You know, Spurs were 3-2 up in that game. So I agree with you, Maz. I, I mean, I loved them. I, I loved seeing that team because, again, I, I like teams that get into trouble, you know, on the basketball court, you know, and they get uh, and, and they, they, they bring all the smoke with them. But like you said, I don't think they lived up to the hype only because they frankly just, I think they were a team that could have won three or four championships. They could have done a three-peat. They could have been a four or four championship side. And somehow they just fell through in the, in the finals. And also, I want to say, you know, um, they, they faced really good teams in the East. Generally, I would say, you know, Boston were a little bit tormented by injuries, kept having injuries. Bulls were kind of coming up, but same story with Bulls. They were kind of getting tormented. The team that really pushed them was, was Indiana. Right, they had some good battles with Indiana, but I still don't. I it, I don't think those were still the elite of the elite. I I don't think it. I don't think it was the elite of the elite in the East. In the finals, they played really good teams, but not the most in the in the East. So I agree with you. I don't think they really lived up to the hype, but it was where I think LeBron learned how to convert talent to championships. And that's what to me makes Miami so special because it started an era of, like I said, a decade of LeBron Nation, where he's just dominated the league 
for this going even now, starting from uh, 2011. But like you said, Mas, great team reaching four four finals, not easy. Do they do they live up to the hype of that press conference where they walk out with the fireworks and all that? Mm, probably not to me. Probably not to me. Uh, but I oh sorry, go for it, Mas. No, no. So uh, Krishna, I was just going to say that Miami team was fun to watch. I won't deny it. Yep. But yep. I, I wouldn't even say that they were as fun as Jimmy Butler's Miami Heat in the the NBA bubble. Yep. That was a fun Miami team. So if if, if you have to have either of the two, you either entertain people or then yep. you win championships. And right. if you don't manage to do either of the two then I'm sorry, you've definitely failed. And that's where I think Miami fell short in the end. I think so too. I think so too. Especially in their like first and last season, not winning. I, again, like I said, they could have been a 3 P team and they weren't. But I, I, did, I did kind of mess up chronologically a little bit. But it, it ties in pretty nicely to Miami because the first championship they won, LeBron's first string, the first string as a trio was in 2012 against OKC, which was... Another big trio. They're really the what-if trio, essentially, right? Three future MVPs were on the same team, which was Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. And everyone keeps saying this, you know, oh, man, what if they had stayed? Man, what if those guys stayed together? Where would OKC be? I don't want to counteract that a little bit because I don't actually know how well they mesh together. A lot of people would argue, well, well, Brooklyn have two of the three and they seem to be doing great. Um, But I'm not so confident in them. But... Mars, what did you think of that team? Because it was a young team. It wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't like, you know, they were another team that was formed from the draft. They weren't a team that was, that, that traded for each other. They formed from the draft. They were a young team. Can you talk, Mars, a little bit about the optimism of that team and the supposed upside everyone believed that team to have? Because I think everyone at the time would have said, yeah, they didn't win this year, but these guys are going to win a championship. It's 2021. OKC doesn't have a ring as yet. <laughs> yeah, so Krishna, I was... I'm not really sure about the OKC Thunder at the time. I I think none of these guys would have reached their potentials if they would have been kept together. Yes. I think that was the biggest thing. Let's not forget James Harden was playing as the sixth man in OKC. So he became the Manu type of player, which meant that we would have never seen that step back three being developed. We would have probably never seen James Harden's averaging 30 points a game. We would have never seen the blossoming effect of maybe even Russell Westbrook in that sense because Kevin Durant would have been carrying the burden. We saw it in Kevin Durant. I think Kevin Durant is just the complete player. He is probably the best big the best seven footer in a very, very long time. Probably one of the greatest to ever play the game as well. Let's just purely based on athleticism, his efficiency. He's a 50, 40, 90 guy. How can you forget that? We're talking about a big man who scores 50% from the field, 40% from three, and 90% from the three point line. That is for his, sorry, from the free throw line. And that is for his career. That is absurd, Krishnan. So, maybe Kevin Durant and Westbrook would have still worked. Maybe just both of them could have led OKC to the title. And well, to be fair to KD, 
and Westbrook, they tried. To be fair to KD, he tried, didn't work, got tired and became impatient, so left. Uh, also had a few fallouts with West, so it's understandable. But again, he left for... The only problem that everyone has is who he left for, right? And that is my issue as well with it. If he wouldn't have won a championship, we he would have become the biggest joke ever in the NBA. But as for Harden, I think that he didn't have another option, Krishna. I think even Harden knew that he he obviously knew what a talent he was, and he he knew his level. So getting out was the best decision. So all in all. Incredible team. I wish they would have progressed. It was heartbreak how they got knocked out also in the playoffs that year before they disbanded. Yep. Conference semifinals, uh, followed by conference finals. And just heartbreak in the way they lost as well. So, I would have liked to see that team. But again, coming back to your point, they were youngsters, inexperienced guys. I think experience wins you championships. The Lakers proved that in this past season as well. So, I think that was the key. You hit, the nail, the, key. You hit the nail on the head also, Maz. I, I love that you said the point of they would not be the players they are today if they stayed together. And I 100% agree with you because I, I really don't like this logic of like, man, if they stayed together, these like what-ifs of, oh man, if they stayed together, back-to-back championships. And that's just not true. I'll even say Kevin Durant would not be the player he is today if not for Golden State. KD was always an epic player at OKC, always an offensive. He was lit. I mean, he's he's he could just shoot over people, and like you said, he was pretty darn close to 40, 50, 90 at a at a seven foot height is unheard of. We've never seen that before. But what Golden State gave him was a focus on the defensive end. OKC, he did not have that. He didn't have the, he didn't, they always looked to get other big men in to kind of support him, right? They had, they would get like a Serge Ibaka. They had Serge Ibaka for a while. Um, they, they brought in Kendrick Perkins for a little bit. Um, Steven Adams would serve that. When he moved to uh, Golden State is when he dis- developed that defensive mentality to like, oh, I have the ability to be like a genuine shot blocker at times. Same thing goes for James Harden. Like you said, Mars, he doesn't become the 30-point-per-game scorer that he, that he, the easy 30-point-per-game scorer that he is now if he doesn't leave and go to Houston. And Russell Westbrook, he doesn't, I don't think we think of Russell Westbrook the same way if he doesn't have that season just by himself in OKC where he just racks up the triple-double. So all of their fame and, and, and major success, I want to say, has come from breaking up. And like you said, I don't think there are any promises on them being this dominant trio that people argue. Because frankly, at the time, I don't actually think they meshed that well together. You know, there were three guys who were both all ball dominant. Now they have the maturity, James and and, and KD might have the maturity to say like, hey man, we can distribute the ball and we'll be fine. It's hard to do when you're a young team, all pretty high draft picks, all supposedly going to be like high scorers, all three not great defensively at the time. It's all future like, Hall of Famers. Let's future. not forget that. That's exactly. huge. <laughs> exactly. So I, I don't think it would have I don't think it would have ever worked. There's a bit of a gap between us, a bit of a timeline gap, because the next big one that forms, I'm actually not that much of a timeline gap. Not not, not that much. LeBron James, when he left, he he already he he had won his championships in Miami and then forms another big three. This time, back home, the land, 
forms a team with Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving in in Cleveland, right? Kyrie Irving was already there. Kevin Love was in Minnesota. The three of them formed together, band together, and pretty. I mean, there were two sides that were dominant for a span of four years, right? And um, you know, you there was a there was a basic, very simple recipe that existed in the East for a little bit, right? And I remember seeing a chart that showed this. Basically showing if you can make a finals. It was, are you in the East? Yes. Do you have LeBron? Yes. Okay, you'll make the finals. And that's exactly what was essentially happening. How, so we know the other team in the West. We're not going to talk about the team in the West just yet. How impressive do you think that Cavs team was? And what did you see as a difference in LeBron moving from Miami to Cavs and what he brought to that Cavs side and why they, they too were a very successful trio um, post-Miami? I think Krishnan Kevin Love was the major difference. I, I thought I thought Miami as well. Chris Bosch was amazing. And when Chris Bosch wasn't performing, that's when Miami struggled. Cleveland needed Kevin Love. Kevin Love did all the dirty work that and he became that third main guy, right? The guy who was willing to sacrifice everything for the team. Because Kevin Love sacrificed everything. We're talking about another player who Potentially, we saw his talent and skill at Minnesota. He came to Cleveland in the hopes of winning a championship. And he gave up everything. He did all the dirty work for the side. And, well, we saw him develop another version of a game, his game as well. He really developed his defensive game too. So, all in all, I think that was the major difference. It gave LeBron much more freedom to play with. And it also nurtured Kyrie in a certain way and Kyrie still wasn't at his superstar level so I think that also benefited uh, Cleveland's because it helped LeBron form that entire mold where he'll be like okay I am still the alpha but I will help you get there to Kyrie and I think that's why it worked out well for them yeah and, and like you said Maz, we'll keep talking about this a regular theme will be the guy who makes the biggest sacrifice and for sure Kevin Love was that person I was just looking it up his last season with, with Minnesota, he was averaging 26.1 points per game and 12.5 rebounds. That He was averaging an easy double-double. Phenomenal. And he obviously, since he joined Cleveland, he I don't think he averaged more than 20 points a season, any of the seasons he's been with, with Cleveland. So he was a guy who definitely had to make a, make a big sacrifice. I think what also, why I think Cleveland were kind of special in my mind is when is because when when LeBron was in Miami, Miami had a system in place. There was a system. You had Pat Riley as GM. You had Eric Spolstra as coach. They have a very established system. And that's true for Miami even now. What makes Cavs special for me is it really was LeBron. He was quote-unquote the GM. He was quote-unquote a lot of the... He was orchestrating the coaching changes. He really led, and it, it worked and didn't work. I think there are, there are times at which he, he, he kind of made it not work. Um, you talked a lot about Muzz, why it was successful, and I totally agree with you. It's because someone like Kevin Love agreed to come on. It's because Kyrie Irving was able to, to keep growing, and there, there wasn't really too much overlap, right? Like LeBron was happy for Kyrie to be the point guard, and he could take it when they could kind of literally rotate in and out. So they didn't lose too much from each other. Kevin Love had to make a big sacrifice. So you talked a lot about the positives. They reached four back-to-back finals, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, won a championship in 2016. Unbelievable. Coming back from 3-1 down. 
I do want to talk a little bit about their pitfalls, though, because um, one of the reasons I don't think they won as, or one of the reasons they kind of tapered out towards the end, and one of the big reasons Cleveland is, frankly, a very average team right now, is one thing that we notice with LeBron teams is when LeBron's there, you go for the win. If you're not going and bringing in players that are going for the championship, you're wasting his time. Like his first season at LA, they needed better players. As soon as they realized the next season, they basically threw out everyone who's not going to contribute to a championship right now and brought in more experienced players. What happened with the Cavs is after they won 2016, LeBron was like, guys, I want to get these guys paid. I want J.R. Smith paid. I want Tristan Thompson paid, who were good players. But at that stage, not the most, the biggest players in, in, in Cleveland. And they probably would have needed to readjust and become great again. And it's kind of the reason why they kind of tapered out to the end is they lose Kyrie because Kyrie wanted more, more, you know, more ball handling. He wanted more power. They just got in guys who were so focused on kind of this win now, but were kind of old names, right? They brought in, I remember they brought in, um, they brought in Wade for, uh, they brought in Dwayne Wade for a little bit. Um, I'm forgetting the, they brought Darren Williams in for a little bit. They just brought in players who were old names. So it's a very funny thing, but I think for Cleveland, them winning that championship in 2016 kind of led to them not being as dominant and successful going forward because they made a bunch of decisions of that 2016 championship that really hit them hard. But I don't want to go too much into them. I'm just a little bit disappointed where, where Cleveland is right now. But I want to talk about the other team that faced them for those four years. It was four years of back-to-back, the same two teams in the finals. The other team was the Golden State Warriors. And it's a great time to talk about them because Steph Curry is going off in the league. And they had a 3 They had an iconic 3 after that 2016 championship. They were already an awesome team. But after 2016... They were really pissed that they lost that final. After being 3-1 up against the Cavs, they lose 3-1. Everyone knew who the biggest, biggest free agent that season was. It was Kevin Durant. And everybody knew that the Warriors had a way to bring him to them. No one, I think most people thought, yes, it's possible. It's probably not going to happen until we saw that big announcement from Kevin Durant. Maz, how dominant was that team? Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. And let's not forget Damon Green. Let's not forget Iguodala. Again, secret secret big man off the bench, Steve Kerr. How dominant were those three years that they were together? Oof. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. You're talking about five All-Stars in one team. Just play the All-Star. They're playing the All-Star game every weekend. Every week in and out, you have an All-Star lineup. It is terrifying and it's not like they were playing the same position if this the warriors play positionless basketball over there so you could have igudala draymond kd clay and steph all on the court at the same time not hampering each other whatsoever being elite on the defensive end and being elite on the offensive end because we all know how good clay igudala and draymond are on the defensive end at least at that time, Draymond has definitely dropped in terms of his defensive abilities now. But that time, he was stellar. He could mark anyone. Uh, KD also, like you said, that was the one thing we saw him flourish in on the defensive end. So, you talk about four defensive, stellar defensive players. And there's no question about how good they are offensively. Iggy, not so, so much so, but it doesn't matter. 
the he his his defensive efficiency covers up for everything but krishna the main thing what made them so successful like you said again steve ko and the fact that they were all playing for each other they were willing to give the ball up there were some days where steph would be like it's okay if my threes aren't going in i'll just turn playmaker there were some days when clay shots wouldn't go he's like it's okay i'll just lock up defensively there were days when kd would be out because of injuries it didn't matter because they found someone else they always found someone else livingston was a huge difference maker of the bench for them most of the time they always seemed to find the right pieces to come in and support these a uh, big names and that's what makes a championship winning team you need 12 players at the end of the day five or four or three won't cut it that's why they were so successful it's just such a pity that they ended up with the nba best record that season 739 and they threw a three one blew a three one lead so i i'm sure they still get sleepless nights about it no matter how many championships steph and clay might go on to win that night will still haunt them and they'll be seeing lebron's face just laughing away for sure every night and it's such a crazy season man it's such a crazy season because when you think about it the warriors beat kd's okc after okc were 3-1 up and then they go to the finals then they lead 3-1 against the cavs and lose so it was like a perfect meeting kd being like man i just lost 3-1 to y'all warriors just being like man we just lost 3-1 they shake hands and frankly there was it wasn't close i mean the first season i remember the first the first time uh, it was cavs versus warriors with kd it was 4-1 next year was a clean sweep that was the year that lebron didn't even have kyrie it wasn't really close in the finals they had a little bit of competition in the west you know i think houston put up a decent challenge at least one year but there was really no contest everyone kind of knew who the who was going to win the championship at the start of the season even 2019 frankly we thought the same that's the crazy thing about sport injuries can hamper you somehow out of nowhere toronto ends up winning it i don't think anyone could have predicted that but mas again i want to talk about i have to keep hopping on the same point exactly the same point as you steph curry this is what makes steph curry so special to me steph curry was a two time mvp he's a guy if anyone should have an ego it's steph curry because he is a two time mvp he's a game changer he is single handedly i would argue change the way the nba is played today there are not a lot of people who do that there are not a lot of people who change the fundamental way the game is played he did that but when the opportunity came to get kevin durant he knew he'd be the one affected the most it wouldn't affect draymond that much clay thompson doesn't need that many touches he can get off with on very few touches steph curry would be the one who was affected the most he was the he was in that meeting convincing kd he said yes we want you here i'm willing to make the sacrifice let's make this happen that's just what makes sef so special man you know a lot of guys are say that team players and they are but at the end of the day ego gets to you if you're great at something ego gets to you the way steph curry celebrates his teammate success kd's success clay's success he's just a lovable guy it's so hard to hate steph curry because he is a straight monster in the game but has such respect for everyone in his team and genuine happiness for the success of others in his team that's why this team worked mas this we've talked so much about egos butting heads and being the cause of conflict steph curry was the reason why it there was there was no conflict and the, the time there was conflict it wasn't the two time mvp it was draymond and kd 
It was Draymond and KD who had conflict. It was maybe even Kerr and, you know, Kerr who might have had conflict. But the one guy who tried his hardest to make things match together is, is Steph Curry. And it's just a testament to how special he is. That team was special. Easily won two championships. Walked into those, strolled into those championships, I would argue. Yeah, so I just wanted to add one thing, Krishna. I think it, this is getting overlooked is a lot. Steph took such a huge pay cut and refused to max out his contract so that he could keep to bring KD into the Warriors and to keep Clay as well. So, it, it's just testament to someone who's not even greedy for the money in today's day and age when people aren't even willing to give up $10,000 on their contracts. Yep. So, like so many people, like for example, Dennis Schroeder's not willing to re-sign with the Lakers yet because he wants a max. <laughs> How much more money do you want, dude? <laughs> You're not even Steph Curry. So, I think that also speaks volumes. Him and uh, Giannis, man, these two guys, serious respect. Serious respect for everything that they've just given back and they've shown that, you know, money isn't everything as well. Just play the game you love, play to win. That's what they've done. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more with you. I also just love Steph. It's hard to hate him. It's hard. It's really hard to hate him. But Maz, let's get to the team that essentially started off this entire conversation. The team that's the current trio in the NBA. It's again with KD. It's with James Harden. And it's with Kyrie Irving. This was a bombshell. When James Harden, which was finally announced that he's moving from Houston to Brooklyn, this was a bombshell. Because we have not... This is such a offensive heavy team. These are arguably the three best one-on-one scorers in the league. Maybe Steph's in there too, but they're definitely all three in the top five of one-on-one bucket getters in the league. They join hands. You also have these pieces like Blake Griffin. LaMarcus Aldridge joined, but unfortunately, obviously, had to retire completely understandably. It is a superpower team. And I... I, 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 I'll be honest, I was the first one to be cynical and be like, eh, I don't know if they can win a championship. They all like, they, they might be able to score a bunch of buckets, but can they defend? In recent weeks, seem to have figured out a way to be decent defensively. And that's all they need to be. They don't have to be great. They have to be decent defensively. They've got guys like uh, Jeff Green putting in the minutes. They've got guys like, um, well, I don't want to say DeAndre Jordan, not, not as much, but they've just got guys who are playing minutes who are rotating in, putting in the effort. Landry Shamit recently had a really good game for them. So, they potentially could be a championship team. Must they'll probably go ahead. I mean, fingers crossed, Lakers, everyone comes back from injuries and is okay. Most likely looking like they'll it'll be Lakers in the finals. Can this team win a championship? Was I underestimating them when Harden joined? I am still... I still don't know what to make of Brooklyn. I don't want to judge them based on the regular season. Yes, they're first in the East. Yes, they do have the best record. But again, Krishnan, when it comes to seven games against the best teams, you'll see a different system altogether. I don't know if they can keep it up. Can you keep up such an offensive powerhouse to outscore the other team over a seven-game series, I don't know. I, I, that's where I, I, I... And let's not forget, the East has become stronger. 
So they will have tough matchups potentially in the playoffs. And with the play-in system as well, you don't know some other team which might prove to be a bad matchup for Brooklyn could also sneak in. So I I wouldn't want to jump the gun yet and say that they are I mean, yes, they are potentially going to win the East Con- Eastern Conference, but I'm not. I still don't want to bet against a certain Giannis Antetokounmpo. I don't want to bet against the Boston Celtics yet. I think they they are. Yes, they aren't doing as well as expected. But come playoffs time, I think we're going to see another version of Jason Tatum, which we're already seeing now. So I'm hoping. Uh, like I'm not hoping. I mean, it's Boston, so I'm not really hoping. But I I want it to be a fun, uh, a good fight between the two. And even though I'm a Lakers fan, I would prefer having Boston in the finals because who doesn't want to watch a Lakers Boston final? AD's back, so I'm assuming um, the Lakers will do well. But coming back to it, Krishnan, look at what all is required to beat LeBron James at the end of the day. <laughs> the only reason Brooklyn really formed this team was because they have to beat LeBron James, who has Anthony Davis alongside of him. They've added the right pieces in Montreal's Harrell, Dennis Schroeder as well. Mark Gasol's been extremely disappointing, but they've got Drummond. <laughs> so the Lakers are doing the right things. They've done the right things in their uh, in their attempts to retain the title. So. That's such a good point, Maz, because it's it's such a funny point. How many of these super teams were either formed by LeBron or formed to combat LeBron? Like, all of these teams are basically... All of them. Yeah, all of them, right? It's one of the two. Um, here's my here's my thought on them. I, I, and here's why I think they're going to be really dangerous and I think could actually pip any team to win the championship. When, when, when Harden joined, I wasn't sure how they're going to mesh, right? Because we know Kyrie Irving has had issues in the past wanting to be the, wanting to be the ball handler and things like that. We know James Harden's been a ball-dominant player. We know KD's been a ball-dominant player. When James Harden joined and all three of them played together, James Harden's like, that's fine. I'll score 12 points a game, but I'll give out 14 assists. Kyrie Irving's like, yeah, okay. I won't give that many assists because Kyrie, I won't focus on the assisting. But you give me the ball, I'll dribble, and I'll get a, and I'll get a basket. And KD kind of is like, KD can get a bucket from wherever. Like, KD can get a bucket from wherever and he'll focus on the defensive end. So, everyone just seems to have bought in. So, this is the difference between being a young OKC where everyone has egos and everyone is like, oh, we, we, we all need, we all, I need more of the ball, I need more of the ball. And a mature team that's saying, hey, man, we've been on teams that haven't won. We want to win. I'm willing to sacrifice. You know, James Harden hasn't won a championship. James Harden has covered and said, listen, man, I want to win a championship. If that means I got to be more of the traditional pure point guard and just dish and dish and dish. And hey, when guys are injured, let's not forget also with Brooklyn. Touch wood, everyone comes together for the playoffs. We haven't seen that much of the three of them. It's weird because there's so many games they've had with just one or two of them because they've had so many injuries, people just rotating in and out, that all of them have been able to be dominant. And it just proves that if needed, all of them can flip the switch. All of them can be 30, 35 point per game scorers. So um, if I was if I was anyone else in the NBA, I'd be I'd be very, very nervous. And Muz, I'm changing my vote from earlier in the season. I think I said Milwaukee is going to be in the finals. I have to stick with that because that's my initial vote. But mid-season review, 
I got to say it's going to be Brooklyn in the finals this year. I said Milwaukee at the start of the year. I have to change it to Brooklyn. I've been so impressed with them. Um, but guys, as always with our NBA episodes, we we tend to go over because we just get so excited talking about these teams. We've gone over again. But do leave in the comments who you liked watching the most, who you enjoyed watching the most. Buzz, let me quickly go to you on that, really quickly. Who's your favorite of these teams? So, let, forget even success. Who's your favorite team to have watched of these of these that we mentioned today? I love the Spurs. Uh, I grew up, uh, I mean, that was the time when we also really played professional basketball as, growing up. So, we took a lot out of their books in terms of just running plays, understanding how a pick and roll and a pick and pop works. And we actually bought into the Spurs strategy for all of our games. A lot of that and a little bit of the triangle, whatever we could manage to implement, that's what we did for our games. So I've got to say the Spurs for sure. And well, most championships as well. You can't discount that. Absolutely. I think they're definitely the most successful. Completely understand your logic for them being your favorite as well. For me, I got, I know this is a surprise, but I'm, I've got to say the Cavs only because that 2016 final was... For me, the biggest, most emotional basketball watching moment I've had, that was, I was just so excited to see LeBron conquer, come up from that 3-1 down position to win, which is why that team just has a very, very special place in my heart. And really a big reason why I follow basketball as much as I do now is because of that team. So they hold a very special place in my heart. Definitely not the most successful team, but uh, hold a very special place in my heart. Uh, But do leave in the comments who you think was your favorite team. Uh, feel free to even just ping us if you'd like to have a chat about it. Feel free to even just, uh, you know, directly message us. Uh, let us know who's your favorite. Let us know who you thought was your who was you thought was the most successful. Let us know if there are any other teams who you've thought about in a similar way and who created trios that were slightly different. But with that, thanks so much, everyone. Thank you for listening. So, uh, signing off from All About Sports, but we'll catch you next week for another episode. Thanks so much.